God is gracious to Sarah. And what he did for Sarah at the age of 90 years old, giving her a son for the first time in her life, that was supernatural. It is not something she could make happen. It was obvious she'd had 70 years of 70 years or more of trying to make it happen and it did not happen until God made it happen after Sarah had completely given up on it. I want to say first of all this morning that the greatest things you will accomplish in your life will not be done because of your ability or because of your skill or because of anything you are. The greatest things that you will accomplish in your life will be done because of God's power working in and through you. The greatest things in your life that you will accomplish will be done by God's Spirit working in and through you. That is one of the reasons why it is so critical that you and I come to know Christ and allow him to live in us and live through us. Because we will never accomplish in our life what we could accomplish if the Spirit of God is working in us and through us. So God is faithful. God had promised Abraham and Sarah a child 30 years prior to this, and during those 30 years they waited and waited for that promise, but God came through. And he was faithful to his promise. God was on time, even though Abraham and Sarah didn't think he was on time. And there are so many times in our lives when you and I really think that God's timing, he's just kind of lost it. Um, He doesn't understand um, the time frame that we live on. And God knows all along. And he does have that piece of the picture figured out, and he knows what we really need. Abraham named him Isaac, as God had instructed, and Isaac means laughter. Isaac indeed brought joy and laughter to the household, but every time they called him Isaac, they were reminded that Abraham and Sarah had laughed at God over the promise that at their old age, that they would have a child, and they they both had laughed. And they were reminded of that every time they called their son Isaac. And then on the eighth day, they went and they took Isaac and they circumcised him, and it was a sign to Isaac and a sign to Abraham and Sarah that this child did not belong to himself, and this child did not belong to Abraham and, and, and Sarah primarily. That Isaac belongs to God. And when we dedicate or baptize children, that's one of the things that we are saying, is that this child is a child of God and, and belongs to God. And we have to remember that as parents. Today, as we do adult baptism in the lake, One of the things that we are saying by that is, I no longer belong to myself. I belong to Christ. He is the one to whom I belong and to whom I've given my life to. So it celebrates the ownership of God in our life. 
Sarah ends up at the end of this passage in verse 7 just celebrating the goodness of God and celebrating God's supernatural gift to her in her old age. But then the story plot thickens in this next set of verses in Genesis chapter 1, 21, verses 8 through 14. The child Isaac grew and was weaned. And on the day that Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. <laughs> and she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a, a nation also because he is your offspring. So early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, and he sent them, he set them on her shoulders, and then went off with the boy, and she went on her way and wandered into the desert of Beersheba. So we have this very interesting family dynamic, and I know none of you have interesting family dynamics, um, but we have that right here. In the scriptures and sometimes we think that the Bible is just you know kind of this wonderful collection of perfect lives and anytime you read the scriptures you find out it's not and God is realistic and he deals with real life and all of that my experience I shared some Sundays ago about some real early years in my life my experience after my my dad was killed on the farm when I was five was growing up with my mom for the next seven years and um, my mom and my younger two brothers and then all of a sudden when I was 12 my mom decided to get remarried and she my middle brother Kevin is not gullible like I am um, and, and <laughs> my mother that was back in the day you know um, young people growing up today can't imagine a world in which you don't date by the internet and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that was back in the day when um, there were organizations where you could write letters to meet somebody. And my mom was engaged in that, but she wouldn't admit it to us. So she told us that somehow or another our pharmacist had lined up this person down in Texas. And we were living in Bristol. And somehow or another, we were supposed to believe all that story and, and Kevin... Kevin just didn't buy it. <laughs> but anyway, we all of a sudden on Easter weekend, when I was 12, this guy shows up from Texas and stays with us to see if it's going to be a good thing for the two of them. And uh, my grandpa had found out a few things about him and found out that he was kind of a handyman, did all kinds of things, didn't settle, stay with anything for too long, but he was had been a roofer. And we had this big pinnacle round dome part of our house that was way up there 
And so Grandpa decided that the test of Jack would be if he would roof that for the week that he was up here for Easter. And the crazy man roofed that pinnacle <laughs> up on our house. But anyway, um, they decided Easter weekend that they were going to get married. Jack went back to Texas, uh, took care of things, and moved back up in June, got married um, the next day, and then all of a sudden we had a mixed family. Now, I had been the oldest child. And I had been the oldest male in the house, and I kind of, even though I was only 12, thought of myself as the, the most important male person in the family, and the one that was in charge and in control of things. And then she marries, and this man moves into our house, and worse yet, he brings his youngest son, who is seven months older than I am and seven inches taller than I am. And all of a sudden, I was nothing and no one, and I had no clue where I fit in or what to do or how to operate or anything else. And Jack decided that he was going to go into our family, my grandparents' family business, which was the dairy farming, and he'd never farmed at all in his life. Had no idea. And we plowed in, and we ran a dairy farm uh, for a good number of years. But, you know, it was just a weird family dynamic and all of that. So um, I remember those days where I just had no sense of where I fit in and, and all of that. It was just very traumatic years, uh, those early years. Well, here's Isaac. And Isaac is getting weaned and in that culture that happened about three years of age and so he he's up there he's about three years of age and they abraham holds a great feast to celebrate um him being weaned and there is ishmael kind of mocking you know ishmael is about 14 years of age so that's a great time in your life where you just kind of make fun of everything that's happening around. And he's mocking Isaac. And he's mocking the whole celebration, just, you know, mocking everything. Hagar has a way about her of getting herself into major trouble with her scorning looks and her mocking words and all of that. And so Sarah demands that Hagar be sent away with Ishmael. Just get rid of them. And get rid of Abraham's son, Ishmael, by Hagar. I want you to notice Sarah's words here. Get rid of. Push him out of the way. And then she never uses their name. She says, Get rid of the slave woman and her son. And then she says, that woman's son will never share the inheritance with, not our son, but he will never share the inheritance with my son. Now, are there a little, a few just interesting family dynamics going on there? Just look at Sarah's words, and you have all kinds of turmoil and all kinds of things happening here. 
Hagar had her faults, and Sarah had hers, and Sarah had a way of getting revenge. And putting Abraham between a rock and a hard place. And she did that well here. Abraham did not know what to do. He loved his son Ishmael. I mean, for a long time, you remember when, when God said, no, Ishmael was not the child that God was going to bless Abraham through. And Abraham said, no, just let Ishmael be the child. I, you don't have to do anything else. Sarah doesn't have to have a baby. We'll just, we'll just be happy with this. And God said, no, that's not my plan. Abraham was already established. He loved his boy Ishmael, and he did not want him to leave. He would have been content if Isaac had never been born, and if Ishmael had received the inheritance. And, and so to send his teenage son, who's 14 years old, away, it was just distressing to him, and surely distressing to Ishmael. And that's when God steps in, and God tells Abraham not to be distressed, to go ahead and to do what Sarah wanted him to do. Notice that God calls Hagar his slave woman. Now, if you remember right, Sarah got Hagar when they were down in Egypt, and Hagar was whose slave woman? Hagar belonged to Sarah. But notice the transition here, and all of a sudden, God says to Abraham, go ahead and prepare your slave woman to leave with her son, your son, Ishmael. Abraham cared much more for Sarah, or for, for Hagar, than Sarah did at this point. And God says to Abraham that he would bless Ishmael because he is Abraham's son, and he will make him into a great nation also. Now, I don't want to get too deep in the woods here, um, but Galatians, if you go over to Galatians chapter 4, verse 28, it tells us that Ishmael is symbolic of the flesh and what you and I can do in our own strength and power. And Isaac is symbolic of the Spirit and what we can do and the power of the Spirit. Ishmael represents what we can do ourselves, and Isaac represents what God can do through us. Well, Ishmael was Abraham's way of providing a son for Abraham. But Isaac was God's way of providing a son for Abraham. And yet, God allowed Ishmael to stay under the influence of Abraham for those 14 years. And then God was ready for Abraham to focus his energies and his effort and all of that, his love, on Isaac. So this parting with Ishmael for Abraham was distressful for both of them. But the command here to Abraham regarding Ishmael uh, that you are to take them and send them away, it was very clear. It was imperative upon Abraham to do that. 
And sometimes God just speaks into our lives and he tells us that it is time for something to go in our life that has been good, that has been wonderful, that it has been something that we have valued and loved and enjoyed. But sometimes God's spirit comes in and says, no, it's time for that good thing to depart from your life and it's time for a new chapter and a new journey. And the question is, what will you do when God breaks in by his spirit and says, it's time for a change here. Will you obey at that point? That's kind of what the Lord was speaking about in Matthew. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, when he, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. If you're going to walk in the power of the spirit, you cannot walk in the power of the flesh. You have to surrender yourself and say, God, whatever you want for me, whatever you believe is best for me, that is what I choose. Now, each of us have a different Ishmael in our life. Each one of us have something that's in our life that just isn't producing the fruit, the spiritual fruit, that maybe at one time it did for us. Or, or maybe it's just past time. We're beginning to pull some plants up out of the garden because it's past time. We want to be able to focus on some other plants in the garden. And there are some times that God allows some things to grow in the garden of your life, but there does come a time when it's time to pull them up and throw them away so that you can focus on other things in your life. When God wants that Ishmael in your life to be pulled up and uprooted and sent away, I want to say to you, I want to give you these words of encouragement. Be patient until you have heard clearly by the Spirit of God that it's time to pull that plant up in your life, to let that Ishmael go. Be like Abraham. Sarah was the first one to speak to him about this. Sarah was the one who came and said, you've got to send that woman away. You've got to send that boy away and all of that. But Abraham did not act on what Sarah said to him until God spoke to him. There will be times, especially in the Christian community, that good, well-meaning people will talk to you about things you need to get rid of in your life. And that is usually a good thing. They're probably right. But their timing may not be just right. Or they could even be wrong. Because they're just people. You need to wait till you hear the Spirit of God confirm in your spirit what they have said to you. Sarah spoke, but Abraham waited until the Spirit of God confirmed that that was what he was supposed to do, even though he did not want to do it. And then Abraham slept on it. It was probably not a very good night of rest. And he got up early in the morning and he obeyed God. 
provided for them and sent them on their way. Notice that Abraham, again, had, had Sarah telling him the first time, but he waited for the Spirit of God to speak to him. God knows the right time. And by the way, God also knows which Ishmael to remove at the proper time in your life. You know, because most of us, maybe, maybe this is just me and not you, but most of us have more than one Ishmael that needs to go in our life. <laughs> and other people looking on from the outside, they, they, you know, they see what they see. And they can start trying to pull Ishmaels out of your life, and they will do it in the wrong order because they don't know everything. God sometimes knows exactly what Ishmael needs to go out of your life and in what order to go along the process. So you pay attention to God and pay attention to God's spirit and let him work in your life according to his plan. You cannot get rid of all the Ishmaels in your life all at one time. You can't do it anyway. It's, it's, it's got to be a God thing. It's just obedience to the spirit of God working in you. If you try to do something just because you know you need to get rid of Ishmael in your life, in your own strength, but God hasn't told you it's time yet, you're not going to be successful in that. You need to hear that God has spoken to you and said, this, it is the time for Ishmael to go in your life. And then trust God to take care of all the details. And I'm sure Abraham sending Hagar and Ishmael off with just a little food and a little bit of water, that took tremendous, tremendous trust on his part to believe that God was going to take care of them. But then you go and you let God take care of it. And then they're out there and listen to the rest of this uh, verses 15 through 21. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Now remember, he's 14 years old. <laughs> but she put him under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Hagar has just lost everything in her life except her son Ishmael. Everything she's known, everything she's had, it's gone. She's out there with an empty skin of water and her boy in the desert. Does God care about Hagar in the desert? 
Hagar ran out of supplies. She prepared for death. But she left Ishmael under a tree because she was not willing to see him die, and she wept. Ishmael was hungry. Probably, I'm guessing that's the reason he was crying. And God heard his cry. And then God responded to Hagar. God comforts Hagar. And he instructs her to go back to Ishmael and to take him. And he promised that he would make Ishmael into a great nation. And indeed, Ishmael gets married. And like Isaac, he also has 12 children and becomes the father of the people of Islam. God opens her eyes, Hagar's eyes, to see a well of water that she had been blind to before that. There are so many times that there are resources that are available to us and we are simply blind to them until we are in contact with the living God. That's another reason why you and I need to be believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and another reason why we need to have a relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is because you will miss seeing resources that God has provided for your life until you are in fellowship with him. And Hagar, God opens her eyes and she sees the resources, she sees the well of water. Hagar fills the empty skin of water and she gives Ishmael a drink of water. But here is Ishmael. He is Ishmael. He is not Isaac. He is not the father of the chosen people of God. He does not get Isaac's blessing. And I want to talk to you this morning. You may not be Abraham. You may not be Isaac. You may not feel like there are days when you have Isaac's blessing resting upon your shoulders, and you may feel like the cast-off, the outcast, the rejected by God. And I want to tell you, if you feel that way this morning, you must not dwell on that. Because God hears you when you cry out. And God cares about every mixed family in the world. God cares about alienation. God cares about pain. God cares about separation. God cares about family fireworks. And all those things that you and I deal with in our lives, God cares about it and God sees it. And God wants to be your God even if... <laughs> even if you are Ishmael and not Isaac at the moment. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God is not only the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is also the God of outcasts who are out in the desert with a skin of water that is empty and a sun lying under a bush. 
God has a provision of water for you. And God wants to dwell with you and be with you. And he promises that to Hagar. And then I want you to notice that Ishmael is gifted by God to become a great um, archer, I believe it said. Good with a bow and arrow. And regardless, you may not be the person you, you, you think you should be or you desire to be or the person you're jealous of. But God knows you and he loves you and he has a purpose for your life. And he is the one who equips you to be good at something. And for Ishmael, that was his thing. That was his thing that God had gifted him in a particular manner. And I want to say to you today, God has a particular purpose and gifting that he wants to lay upon your life. Fred Craddock, who is an old preacher, great with stories, tells of a time when he and his wife had gone to the mountains for a few days of relaxation and they went to a little restaurant and sat down and they they were watching this old gentleman going from table to table greeting diners and eventually he made his way over to the Craddock table and he learned that Fred was a minister and so he insisted on telling Fred his story. The man had been born just a few miles away from that diner across the mountain. His mother had not been married when, she, when he was born, and the criticism directed at him, uh, at her, also seemed to always hit and penetrate into his heart. His schoolmates learned um, from their parents how to ridicule him and how to make him feel insignificant, and the boy learned to stay by himself at lunch and recess because he didn't want their insults and their rejection to dig any deeper ruts in his heart. Even more difficult were the trips to town with his mother when he could feel the looks and the shaking of heads, and he heard the question, I wonder whose father he is. When he was about 12, a new pastor came to the little community church. People talked about his skill as a preacher, and the boy began to go here for himself, and he was fascinated by the preacher, and he always wanted to, he was careful to slip in late and to leave early so he didn't have to talk to anyone. One Sunday, though, he got lost in the sermon, caught up in the service and forgot to slip out early. Suddenly he felt this big hand on his shoulder, and as he turned around, he saw that preacher. And the preacher said, who are you, son? Whose boy are you? And his heart sank with that question, that penetrating question. But the preacher went on, wait a minute. I know who you are. (laughs) The family resemblance is unmistakable. You are a child of God. And with that, he patted the boy on the back and added, boy, that is quite an inheritance you have. Go and claim it. That old man turned from being a young boy in that restaurant to being the old man, and he said again to Fred and his wife, 
that one statement literally changed my whole life. And he explained that his name was Ben Hooper. And he'd been twice elected governor of the state of Tennessee. His hand, he, his had been a very successful and respected life, made possible by a small town minister who cared enough to encourage a little boy and to remind him that who he is is who God made him to be. I just want to pray for you this morning. There may be someone here this morning that just just doesn't feel like you quite measure up to um, the expectations of the world around you, maybe the expectations of family, maybe your own expectations. And I want to say to you today, you need to root yourself in what God says about you.